When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Acast Recommends. Every week, we pick one of our favourite shows. And this is one we think you're going to love. Hello, I'm Jeff Lloyd, and I recently had a baby with Ed Miliband. A baby podcast, that is. It's a spin-off of our show, Reasons to be Cheerful. It's called Cheerful Book Club, and it's conversations with some of the best writers working in the world today. You'll really enjoy our chats with people like US broadcasting legend Rachel Maddow, literary giant Ian McEwan, and the big short and moneyball author Michael Lewis. Feed your brain with ideas from the Cheerful Book Club. You'll find us on the excellent Acast app or wherever else you get your podcasts. Acast is home to the biggest podcasts from Ireland and around the world. Subscribe to this show and hundreds more now via Acast or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Everything is Black and White podcast brought to you by Chronicle Live and sponsored by Hodgson Motor Group bringing you the latest insight into everything to do with Newcastle United. Find us on iTunes, Spotify or most podcast providers. Hello and welcome to Everything is Black and White Podcast. We're live here from St James's Park and Newcastle United have beaten Southampton 2-1 to make it seven points from the last week. I'm joined here by Lee Ryder. Lee, um, a game really where Newcastle weren't at the best at all and yet again have come away with three very valuable points. Yeah, well, it, it, it's a sign of a team that's trying, you know. Uh, today, first half, they looked flat. Uh, going into the game, I was worried because Thursday nights remind me of Europa League games and we all know what used to happen then when, you know, teams used to come out on a Sunday and it just wasn't quite the same as it was after a full week's preparation. But, you know, to get in 0-0 at half-time, at least give them the platform, but then you just worried, you thought things were going to start going horribly wrong when Danny Ng scored. Um, you were very concerned about the situation. But to bring someone like Andy Carroll off the bench, it just lifted the whole stadium, lifted the team. And um, he's got a, a great assist to get John Joe Shelby in. Maybe it should be the other way around. We don't, we don't care too much. And then <clears throat> that just sets them up for the late win to have a player of Sean Longstaff's quality to come off the bench and you know try his luck um, from distance. He hasn't managed to you know hit the jackpot, but Fernandez followed up two one, and Newcastle were full value for at that point. Um, Southampton, not not the worst team in the world, um, despite that nine 0 hammering they endured you know more recently. But you look at it from Newcastle's point of view, that's a very good win, and the table doesn't lie. They're in a the top ten, they're on twenty two points, in a much better position than they were this time last year. And you know, for Steve Bruce again, you've got to give him credit. Plenty of positives in the end to take from it. Um, it wasn't looking like that at half-time, but we'll have to start with a negative, unfortunately. You've just been down to the mix zone. Alan St. Maxim again came off, and this time it looks like um, a much worse injury than it was on Thursday against Sheffield United. Yeah, it's a hamstring this time. Um, he was nursing an ankle injury going into the game, but he just pulled up there at the end. Uh, again, you know, we'll talk about effort of the team. 
that's the commitment of some of these players at the minute. He's trying to make that lung bust and run in the last dying seconds of the game, and sadly he's pulled up, and um, it looks like it's going to be you know weeks uh, rather than days. So disappointing for him because uh, you know he's just starting to to flourish. I thought he was very good again today on the ball, um, but you know it's going to be someone else going to come in and have an opportunity now. Um, could be possible change of system. We'll have to wait and see. But disappointing. But then the day injuries are going to happen, and it's about you know the players that you've got in reserve to to step in. You saw him leaving on crutches, and he he yeah. said um, it's a bad one, which isn't overly brilliant. Quite interesting that Steve Bruce felt that maybe he actually wasn't hundred percent in the first place, but he still chose to play him because of the danger that he does you know present to the opposition team. Well, yeah, I mean, you've seen in the first half, he, some of the balls he played forward were were brilliant. The, the the bad thing was that nobody was on the same wavelength, so opportunities missed there. Um, but as I say, it's now, for Newcastle, it just shows you how far they've come in a short space of time that Alan St Maximin, we're going to miss him. Um, but at the start of the season, just things weren't clicking for anybody. Uh, he couldn't get in, he couldn't get fit. And then all of a sudden today, you know, it's it's the it's the the bad part of today is that he's left the ground on crutches. Um, but there's so many other positives. Um, it would be it would be wrong to to not focus on them. And we're going to focus on Annie Cowley. You mentioned that cross. What impressed me was it was a ball in from Shelby from a free kick. It went over everybody, and it looked like it was going to go out for a corner. And Carroll said no. He yeah. Went went after the Southampton man. Didn't follow him. Turned yeah. cross. Shelby with a header. Another player who scores with a header, which we're not normally expecting, especially from someone like Shelby. Yeah. Um, and Newcastle are back in the game. And, you know, Carroll changed the dynamic, didn't he, when he came off the bench? Absolutely. And he just puts fear into opposition defences. Um, I think, actually, today it worked out well, him not starting. I mean, he probably did enough to start against... Uh, after what he'd done against Sheffield United, but... To have him as an impact substitute, who's going to come on, and as I say, strike that fear into the defenders. Um, that, that's exactly what happened there today. They didn't know quite how to deal with him, and it's he just brings so much more. I mean, you could look and go, well, he hasn't scored yet, but then the day he brings so much more, holds the ball up. He's created two assists in two games now, but the defensive you saw some of them defensive clearances at the end there today, and some of his touches were just. You know, first class, uh, one on the halfway line where you took the sting completely out of the ball. You know, he's, if you, somebody is paying thirty five million pound for you for your services at some point in your career, you're a good player, believe me. And Andy Carroll to get him on a free transfer, and he's hungry to do well because it's his boyhood club. It's an amazing signing for Newcastle, and long may it continue. So that was the second substitute out of three. Um, the other one was Kieran Clark off at half-time, had a bit of an injury, Cher comes on, and then finally Sean Longstaff for Almiron and Alan Shearer's praised Steve Bruce for making those substitutions. And, you know, all three had a part of play today. Yeah, I mean, it's it's something that people have criticised Steve Bruce for, um, rightly or wrongly, uh, earlier in the season. But today, you, you cannot argue with those changes and when he made them, because... It was long before the mark when Carroll came on, so it's just brilliant that it they have made an impact. As I say, Andy Carroll impact sub, uh, Sean Longstaff having a part to play. The other one was enforced, I think, because of a knock. So two um, one going into that game against Burnley, who were all over the place at the minute. You just wonder, you know, 
if they get three points there, what what type of season could this be? You don't want to get carried away, but at the end of the day, if they can edge closer and closer towards those 40 points, you give yourself an opportunity to, to kick on and hopefully they can do it. And just funny from you there, you said you don't want to get carried away and that's something we got from... <laughs> <laughs> That's something we got from Steve Bristol in the press conference. He was asked yeah. about the home form. He said, look, we've got plenty of work to do. We asked yeah. about being 10th yeah. in the league. We've got plenty of work to do. And that's important to yeah. be measured despite uh, the good run of form of late. Yeah, I mean, it's the, the first target of this squad at the start of the season was to get to you know around 38, 40 points. Then you see when you do that, and then you go, right, what can we do on top of that? Now, last season, it took until the end of April to do it, and then the season's almost over. They're probably about a month ahead of schedule, so it took them to get to get beyond twenty points, which they are tonight. You know, December the eighth. It took them until the end of January to do that last year. So they're a month or five weeks ahead of of schedule. Uh, if they can keep up this, you know, run of form, and which is going to be hard, you would do wonder if they get to the start of March and the, they've got the forty points they need. Then you can, you know, try and get a, a positive tilt because let's be honest, if they'd finished. Eighth or ninth last season under Rafa Benitez, people would be, you know, shouting from the rooftops from it. They'd be calling for Rafa to be manager of the year and all that sort of thing. Steve Bruce is, you know, doing better than Rafa at the moment. So you've got to give him credit where he's due. You've got to be fair. I said that right from the start. I said you've got to give him a fair crack of the whip. He's had it. You've got to be fair with him now. He's got more points than Rafa Benitez did. You've got to give him the, the praise that's deserved. Everyone at Newcastle gets criticism when they do something wrong. So let's be fair and, and give the praise uh, when people are doing things right. I think that's a fair assessment. Thanks, Lee. We're going to go and find Kieran and Kelly now um, to continue this podcast. Um, Kieran, I guess one of the things that stood out today was the character of that, that side, that the passion and the commitment, because the first half was terrible. Setting off, there were the times when they were under the cosh, and then, um, you know... They've stuck in and, and they've come away with three valuable points. Yeah, whatever you, you'd say about this Newcastle side, um, I think certainly since Leicester, the, the spirit's never been in question. Um, time and time again, you know, it's the third game in a row, they've come from behind and gotten something at St. James's Park. And there were times today where you were fearing the worst a bit. The Bravica was busy. Uh, Southampton looked very comfortable. They settled so quickly, but they, they hung in kept going and I think you know the introduction of Carroll changed the whole dynamic of a how the team played but also the crowd it was it was quite flat at times understandably um and everyone seemed to to take something from him um you know whether it was how he pushed Southampton deeper how he brought others into play um and I think even when you look at Sean Longstaff when he came on you know to he could have easily played a safe ball uh, when he went from that shot he takes a shot, obviously gets parried, and then who do you have going for that second ball? It's Federico Fernandez. So it just summed up uh, those substitutes and and just how they kept going until the end. It summed up how they just didn't give up, and it's it's put them in a really good situation. Like I've said before, um, whatever about the signings they've made, the thing that could get them over the line more than anything is the spirit in the side, and uh, you've seen that yet again today. Uh, Federico Fernandez got the winner. Um, he's been absolutely fantastic since he's he's come in, and um, we saw the celebrations and the the passion on it on his face. Uh, just a word about him. Yeah, he's he's. I mean, it, it. I still try to get my head around with him and Clark how um, you can go from being out of the team and essentially being cold, certainly when it comes to league football, and come in and straight away they came in and enhanced and. You didn't feel the the loss of Cher, who, 
let's not forget, was probably player of the season before he got injured. And I think that's a credit to them. Fernandez, you know, someone who is out of contract at the end of the season, yet he he's been working so hard and he he's been he's been near flawless. I think every game the past since he's come into the team, he's been at least a seven for me. And uh, yeah, I don't know what more you can say about him. He's chipping in with the goals. Uh, he's very classy defender and he also does the gritty stuff so he's he's Bruce's ideal defender and as we said before you know you're kind of Florian Lejeune who uh, has been back in contention now for a few weeks and you're thinking how is he going to get in at the moment I know Clark's injured but you're probably thinking that's opened the door again for Cher but there's such good competition there and you can see it's pushing each and every one of them because they know if you fall out of the team whether it's by injury or form it's very hard to get back into that defence would you say that uh, Cher coming on, and I mean, first of all, it was a clue and clock. Uh, he picked up a knock, but in a way, it was a blessing in disguise because we went into that break saying, well, actually, Clark and Dummett don't look overly comfortable on the ball. Southampton are pressing them really, really hard. Um, Cher comes on, and he is he's, he is much better with the ball. He's feet than perhaps them to no disrespect to, to Paul or Kieran. And it, and it did seem just to bring a, a kind of a, a bit of calmness to the defence. Yeah, I think I think the first five, ten minutes for him, he looked a bit rusty, understandably. I think it's nearly two months since he played, but he just gives them that bit of something in terms of his vision and his composure. Um, and particularly when you have someone like Carroll up front, you need good service. Um, I think it's a bit of a, a lazy thing to say. You can just punt the ball up to Carroll and he'll do the rest. He does need decent uh, service as well. And... I think Cher gives you that. He's, you know, when, as you said, Southampton just press you so high, you need someone who's comfortable in taking that extra touch or, or finding a teammate. Cher does that. And I think it would be a surprise if, if he's not in the picture now, if Clark is to mi- miss the next game, because, as I say, he's been, he was their player of the season up until the injury. And it's a great option to have to come in. Again, that defence doesn't look weakened by losing Clark, who's been brilliant and a cornerstone for the, the past you know two months. And, I mean, Martin Dubrovka, again, decent performance. And there were a couple of nervy moments um, of Virginia Cast United fan. Bertrand, the ball came at him at quite a pace, but he just needed to direct that header on a goal, and it was in the back of the net. Um and you're just thinking, Bonnie Castle gonna 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 throw this this away. They've come out obviously with all three points, but there is just a little bit of work to be done at the back and making sure that they don't allow teams to um to to, to create those chances. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you always say you never want your goalkeeper to be busy because that's a sign that things aren't going to plan really. But I think what the past two games have probably reminded us is just a how important Dubravka is and b how he seems to be back on his game again. Um, I don't think it was that he was making too many mistakes, but for him, they're uncharacteristic errors he was making this year. You, you go back there, kind of every couple of months, there's been a high-profile one that's that's led to a goal. But uh, these two games, um, you know, that game today could have been out of sight if he wasn't on form. Um, and then you look at Sheffield United; not much more needs to be said. He was man of the match. Uh, he's he's such an asset to have, and I think the defense. When it's settled like that, it benefits him, but also they know that he's that last line of defence that he can bail them out as well, and that gives them confidence. So it has a knock-on effect for the whole team, but he's been absolutely huge, uh, particularly these last two games. And then obviously with the subs, uh, Longstaff comes on for Armion, who again, it didn't quite work for him, um, but 
Sean Longstaff comes on and, and the shape seems to change and it seemed like Hayden was playing so far up the field. I don't want to say he was an attacking midfielder, but you know, it was it was interesting to see he take up a different approach because we're used to him playing so defensively and, you know, just in doing the dirty work. And it was interesting to see how uh, you know, Sean Longstaff's introduction affected how Hayden played, who actually again had another good game. He put a good few crosses in as well. Um what did you make of that? Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, I think something that maybe gone under the radar that as much as these counterattacks Newcastle have had in recent weeks have been really eye-catching it's kind of forgotten sometimes that Hayden's the one probably doing a lot of the donkey work and winning the ball back and then getting it out quickly and um, I think he's one of the few players in that midfield who has the legs really to to break on and to be box to box as it were and uh, even at the start of the season when they played three five two, there was times he was almost playing like a winger I remember that Norwich game it didn't work but he is an athlete and um, yeah I think you look at how maybe that long stuff change you were seen as maybe settling down tightening up but ultimately it results in a goal so it was, it was one of those really weird games where uh, you know the subs made the game-changing difference but overall you're thinking Southampton will be feeling god how did we lose that game let alone not come back with a point so it, it, again it's 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 for me it's as important a win as uh beating Sheffield United or getting a point against City because you look at the Newcastle now on 10th really as I've said before that subtle difference between looking up and looking behind your shoulder it's really really important at this stage to already be feeling like that I know no one will get carried away but it's a really good place to be in considering Leicester was only the end of September another fantastic result at home as well and beaten in seven you know there's there's stats then uh, that have been maybe going under the radar a little bit but Newcastle and St James's Park were whispered quietly slowly becoming a fortress yeah, and I think that what makes it all the more strange, I guess, is a day like today where it was it was flat, the crowd obviously very very down, understandably, both the time of year and also the the ongoing protest. Um, but it has been weird that you yet they've only lost one game. It's not had like a necessarily a knock on negative effect. Um, and those that were here, you know, they. They naturally took encouragement from, you know, Carol coming in, doing his bit, and, and they did help. Um, and it, it is down to the team as well to, to give them something to shout about, uh, that old cliche. But I think Hayden said it last week that if you can come from behind and if you can come from behind against the champions uh, twice, it plays on teams. Um, that's how they'll look at it. They think it's not going to be easy to go there and get a draw, let alone a win. And you're seeing for the third game in a row at St James's they've come from behind um, to get a point or to get three points and that's huge to, to have that so it's definitely when you think they're playing Palace at home next uh, and then you have those two big games against Leicester and Everton that you know it's a real platform now particularly at home It certainly is well thank you Q I'm going to go find Mark Douglas to wrap up the podcast just a quick word that our live event is happening on Wednesday the 11th that's just in a few days time there's literally about nine tickets left um, so head over to um, our website to get all the details the ticket proceeds go to the NFC Fans Food Bank there's a Jamal LaSalle signed boot um, up for grabs as well as an Alan St Maximum signed flag um, tickets are £5 that includes a pint on arrival and like we say the money goes to a great cause um, so we hope to see you there and I'm off to find Mark Douglas to uh, conclude this podcast we hope we've enjoyed this episode so far it's sponsored by Hodgson Motor Group the North East number one family-owned Toyota, Mazda and Suzuki dealership group.
please remember to like and subscribe to the podcast through wherever you get your podcast. This is Acast Recommends. Every week, we pick one of our favourite shows. And this is one we think you're going to love. Hello, I'm Jeff Lloyd, and I recently had a baby with Ed Miliband. A baby podcast, that is. It's a spin-off of our show, Reasons to be Cheerful. It's called Cheerful Book Club, and it's conversations with some of the best writers working in the world today. You'll really enjoy our chats with people like US broadcasting legend Rachel Maddow, literary giant Ian McEwan, and the big, short and moneyball author Michael Lewis. Feed your brain with ideas from the Cheerful Book Club. You'll find us on the excellent Acast app or wherever else you get your podcasts. Acast is home to the biggest podcasts from Ireland and around the world. Subscribe to this show and hundreds more now via Acast or wherever you get your podcasts. That's from Mark, um, we'll start with the crowd. No crowd, 42,303. Your thoughts on that? Um, yeah, concerning really, because I think if ever you were going to see a, an upturn in uh, crowds, you'd think it would be after the last few weeks. You know, since the Leicester game, Newcastle won five matches. So if it was about um, you know form, uh, then then you would have hoped to have maybe seen a few extra on the gate. But it, really, this is what this is what the club were kind of warned about in the summer, um, and. I think you can see a conviction in in at least four or five thousand who who've abandoned their season tickets not to come back. Um, so it's a it's a it's a major worry for Newcastle. I, I mean, after the game, we did ask uh, Steve Bruce about it, and he he was sort of hinting that he thinks that finance is one of the reasons why people aren't aren't coming. Um, and he said the club need to do something about it. I think he was maybe more talking about ticket prices and some ticket initiatives, but it. You know, I think it's clear that there's there's a there's a significant chunk of people now that are not coming because um, of the way that the club is run, um, and its wins don't matter. You know, this is the best um, points all Newcastle have had after 16 games for five years. Um, it's better than the two seasons under Rafa, uh, considerably better than this time last year, better than the McLaren season. Obviously, well, they did get relegated that year, um, but they, they're playing well. And, well, they're not. Sorry, I don't think they actually are playing that well, but they're they're they're, they're getting good results. Um, and and people still aren't coming back, and the and the atmosphere. I still think, although it improved in the second half, the atmosphere is still still pretty flat. I mean, you can hear the players, and the from the press box, you can hear the players and the managers. Talk, you know, can hear what they're saying. Um, and you, I don't remember too many seasons where that where that was the case. But you could see today it was clearly a lot of gaps in the um, in in the uh, in the crowd, and um, it is a major worry because you know that that. It's obviously not just about the team winning games. It's always been about the owner as well, um, and and the club are going to have to do some 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 serious work. It might be that they never get some of those fans back until until Mike Ashley leaves. But you know, it, it's always been in the past that people have kind of decided to come back, and and, and um, it, it's been one of those things. But it doesn't look like that's going to happen. So. You know, we are where we are. You know, we've spoken about it a few times on the on the podcast, and you know that is a fundamental shift in support behaviour because that is a poor attendance today, and it you know it could go lower. We've mentioned there the fans that were here that did pick up at certain points, and one thing I think which is very key to mention is when Joe Linton goes off now. By his account, he had it had a, a probably arguably one of his worst games in the Castle United shirt, but there was no booze, there was no jeers. No. 
you know, they were pleased to say, Andy Carroll, come on, but there's still that element of support there for Drillin, despite the fact he hasn't hit the ground, um, which I thought was really nice to see. Yeah, I mean, this, the, the, the one thing you would say about the crowd this season is that it's, it, it's a it's a sort of quite positive atmosphere in some ways that, you know, they're, they're quite understanding of the team. Um, I don't know, maybe it's because if you, if you are coming, I, I don't think the atmosphere is, is hugely charged until, you know, has been at key moments this season, um, but it hasn't been quite the same as last season in that, you know, there was, there was, there was some vocal support um, last season, even when the team weren't playing well. And I think they're still, still support the season, but they're not getting on the teams back when they're not playing well, um, which, which, you know, that happens at all grounds. But, but I think, you know, look, they went one nil down. There wasn't booze. There wasn't, you know, they weren't. They were playing dreadfully. They were, they were really poor. I mean, Steve Bruce himself. It wasn't a good game, but they were playing poorly. And you, you just thought that at that point, this, this is going to be one of those days. But the crowd were, the crowd were really. I mean, they weren't. You know, they, they, they weren't enthused by what they were seeing, but they were, they weren't, they weren't negative. And, and you're not hearing look. I don't know whether it's maybe because some of the people who've come have made their peace with the fact that, you know, we're supporting a team that that is owned by somebody that we don't particularly like, but we're, we're not going to sing about it. You know, you're not hearing those anti-Ashley chants in the crowd this season. It's It must be said that that is... So there isn't that kind of hostile hostility towards the owner that's being vocalised in the stadium. So whether that's having a, an impact on the team, I don't know. It's a really weird dynamic and, and I, I find it difficult, you know, I've, I've covered the team for, for a long time, but I always find it difficult talking about fan, how fans are thinking because there's 52,000 or oh, there's 43,000 even today, but it's so difficult to kind of put a motive down to every every person who's in that stadium because there's probably some in, in the stadium now who've been on marches, who've, you know, very active against um, in in you know the, the the protest movements and stuff, but still want to come to the games. While there's probably some who aren't going, who have never got into that kind of stuff and ma- are making their stand off the field. I just feel desperately sad that there isn't, you know, that th- th- it has come to that for people because I saw some people on social media today saying, you know, how gutted they were. You know, they'd have loved to have been here today, but they just feel like they they can't be. They don't, they don't they've made the stand and they don't want to be here. Um, but and, and that's you know and, and that is a really sad thing because you've got a manager who who is from the region. He understands, um, you know, he's played football for a long time. He is, you know, he's from here. He knows people from around here. Um, I don't think he's quite. I mean, I don't know whether. To, I mean, obviously, he's not going to criticise the owner, um, but I don't know whether he was today sort of hinting at something that's to come from the club, whether they're going to do something new. I, I did get the impression that they're going to try something to get the crowd back on side because, you know, they can't now, we're, we're, we're sort of 16 games into the season, they can't just put it down to, you know, people are sort of making their protests felt about the fact that Rafa left. It's something more fundamental than that now and they need to um, make some changes. You've seen they've, they've changed the fans' engagement policy. That's a start. Um, you know, the, the crowd, the club are very... Uh, very insistent that's going to result in better communication. I know the trust, um, the trust met them and, and, and were quite positive about that meeting. So small, small steps, but it's going to take something a lot bigger because this has been 10, 11 years of people feeling really fed up with the way that the clubs run. And, you know, and general things like the training ground, all these things that we've talked about for years and years and years and years and years <clears throat> and alienating um, the manager last season and, the lack of communication over years and years and years and Kinnear and all these things, um, you know, it's, it's come to a head. And we always said it would. This summer, you know, 
we said it would. It was a really damaging summer, and I'm just really thankful that the team are performing much better than I thought they were going to do. They certainly are. Just finally from you, then we'll have a word about John Joe Shelby, obviously captain, someone who splits <coughs> debates, de- uh, splits opinion rather. Sorry, and you know he scores today with a header, um, some lovely passes, but also we saw that kind of that leadership. There was the moment when Mankio gave a needless follower in the last two minutes or so, and he said to him, "Let's just think about this." He pointed to, he said, "Let's think about it." They're the little bits of leadership which maybe don't get picked up by the cameras, but we can see them. We've got a good vantage point, and that shows why Bruce has given him the armband and stuck by him when maybe other managers. May not have done. Well, the last manager didn't didn't stick by him. He, he kind of got fed up with him, um, having sort of seen him as a bit of a talisman in the championship. Um, he's a really interesting player, isn't he? Because you see him in games like in the last three games. He's obviously scored in the last three matches. You know, really smart in the last game to play on a moment when you know other players maybe wouldn't have done. Today, like you said, um, some little moments off the field. He kept going. You, you know, you talk about bravery, and there's, there's there's a sort of bravery that you saw from Paul Dummett today, where he comes off with a with a you know needing stitches in in his head, um, which took about three minutes to do. And then there's bravery of being a creative player like John Joe Shelby and still hitting those thirty yard balls when you know that everybody's going to be on your case because he's a high profile player, probably Newcastle's most high profile player outside maybe Andy Carroll. Um, and he knows that he gets hammered he, because of because of who he is and the fact that he's their best paid player probably, and he's you know a guy who's played for England and um, has the talent. He knows that he, he's going to get hammered if he's playing thirty yard balls. They're they're not getting hitting the man, um, and the team are losing. You know he would have been on the end of some some stick today, I'm sure, because he wasn't. You know he wasn't kind of central figure for the first 60 minutes um, and that that's that's requires some bravery sometimes to play that way um, you know he's not you know maybe not launching himself into challenges and playing that way but he, but he is you know he's still playing on and I think if there's if there are some sort of triumphs under Steve Bruce then then Shelby's form is one of them in China when he the first that first game where he came out afterwards and he he was one of the ones leading the way from the dressing room saying look the dressing room aren't Aren't, aren't down in tools because Rafa Benitez has left. We're actually, you know, some of us are seeing it as a new chance and he was one of them saying, look, you know, I, I might benefit from an English manager who, who sort of talks to me and kind of puts an arm around the shoulder and stuff. And, and, and he is. And I think the, the funny thing about Shelby is that he is and, and has always been, a, you know, a massive asset for Newcastle when he's, when he's playing well. Um, but you just don't see that, that level of consistency from him. Um, but having said that, you know, the season he nearly got into the England squad um, for the World Cup, he was really consistent that season. And, you know, I, I, but I think for him, he, he kind of benefits from that burning sense of injustice. So it's it's good for him sometimes, sometimes to get a bit of criticism and to be on the end of it because he's like, he wants to be me against the world. But there's obviously been some real effort gone into gone into um, getting Shelby ticking from the manager uh, from the head coach sorry and 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 you know that that's one of the things that's that's ticking but I mean today I just felt was all round I mean Shelby's Shelby kind of sums up what's happening at Newcastle at the moment because I haven't I just cannot work out for the life of me how they've got seven points from the last three games you know I've seen I've seen Newcastle get zero points from those three kind of games with those performances um, but you know it, 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 it's just how it is I, I, I've said all along that the character of this team is worth points um, you know it, it, it was it's the biggest asset that they've got at the moment is the way that this team the spirit 
Um, the fact that they don't know when they're beaten, the fact that they're, they're greater than the sum of their parts is is a huge asset. And, you know, I, I get really fed up with fans on Twitter and other places saying, oh, we're rubbish, we, you know, this team needs, we need seven new players and stuff. It's like, yes, there's definitely got to be improvement. This team's got this, this, this team has to evolve. It has to evolve. They have to get better, or they will. Results will. You know, you can't play like this forever and keep picking up points. But you have. To, it, it has to be a, a, a sort of an evolution that takes into account the fact that you don't want to jeopardise the spirit of this this group. Because you know, it might not feel like a big thing. It might feel like, look, if we brought in seven better players, we'd have a better we'd have better results. But you ask Everton how that's how that works out. You ask. A lot of these teams, you spend a lot of money, how it works out for them. If you've got the chemistry and you've got the, the spirit and the character and charisma that this team's got, then, you know, it's worth points. So Newcastle need to, you know, Newcastle fans need to kind of recognise, I think, that they've been better teams, a lot, quite a lot of better teams in the Premier League era than this lot, but not many who can battle and, and, and get themselves out of points um, like this. They, they just have a way of winning games at the moment and um, you know long may it continue hopefully so well this has been everything is black and white podcast please remember to like and subscribe uh, from wherever you get your podcasts from this is Acast recommends every week we pick one of our favourite shows And this is one we think you're going to love. Hello, I'm Jeff Lloyd, and I recently had a baby with Ed Miliband. A baby podcast, that is. It's a spin-off of our show, Reasons to be Cheerful. It's called Cheerful Book Club, and it's conversations with some of the best writers working in the world today. You'll really enjoy our chats with people like US broadcasting legend Rachel Maddow, literary giant Ian McEwan, and the big short and moneyball author Michael Lewis. Feed your brain with ideas from the Cheerful Book Club. You'll find us on the excellent Acast app or wherever else you get your podcasts. Acast is home to the biggest podcasts from Ireland and around the world. Subscribe to this show and hundreds more now via Acast or wherever you get your podcasts.